So good morning, everyone. My name is Paul. I have the privilege of uh, leading this uh, team who oversees New Life Community Church. If you are new and visiting this morning, it's just great to have you here with us. Now, every now and then we uh, pop in a Sunday that breaks from our normal preaching series. Um, and we have been looking really to deliver through that topical or that, that Sunday that breaks from the preaching series, something that we believe God is stirring our hearts with. So if you are taking notes today, today's preach is entitled Living the Dream. Living the Dream. If I wind back the years, which unfortunately now is getting on to be a few of them. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> I'm getting no sympathy there, sorry mate. Secondary school and college. The big question for us teenagers back then was, what's your dream? If you could do anything with your life, with the life that you had ahead of you, what would you do? Now, for me, those aspirations or dreams, they changed. First in secondary school and early days of college, it was to play football. It was followed shortly to play, to be a musician. I was in a band and I thought it was uh, going to be the thing, you know. <clears throat> I don't think it was till I got the opportunity to study drumming around the age of 25 that I finally felt settled and sure about what I wanted to do in life, which was to teach. I had the privilege of doing that for, for 10 years. Now, I'm sure these are the same questions that younger people are facing today, and yet they still seem to be the questions that many of us face as we get older. We still have dreams, still have aspirations and hopes. I am on a different path now, or, or maybe on the same path just further along. Either way, I, I felt stirred to bring something on living the dream for all of us who are still asking those questions. And because God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, we are going to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 37, and learn a few lessons from a dreamer called Joseph. So it's Genesis, chapter 37. I'm going to read to you from the ESV translation. We're going to read from verses uh, 5 to 11. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. 
But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, as we explore your word and we take some lessons from the life of Joseph, Lord God, I just want to pray that you would fuel our hearts, that you would, uh, Father, you would unpack some of the things that you've deposited in us personally and corporately. Lord, that you cause us to take another step of faith in this journey with you. We love walking with you. And I pray that, Father, you would go before us in these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph had a dream. If you were to put a little pencil mark there, Joseph had a dream. Can you imagine a, um, a young Mark Zuckerberg approaching his Harvard University friends and saying, hey guys, I've had this dream about developing a platform for digital communities. For those who don't know, Mark Zuckerberg's founder of Facebook. Hey guys, I've had this dream for developing a platform for digital communities. I, I just think it's going to be huge. And in my dream, any other rising digital platform bows down to mine. What, 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 do, you, what do you guys think about that? Joseph was 17 years old when he dreamed these dreams. The Bible doesn't even call him a man, but describes him as a boy. He was a boy with a dream. Now, his brothers didn't care for him too much, as he was dad's favourite. Now, <laughs> I was just going to say, now, I was going to put on parents, say, parents in the room, chapter 37 is really helpful indicators on what favouritism does, just when you, uh, if you give it, and the impact that it makes. Just a few little helpful tips there. <clears throat> when you play that game of favoritism. So if dad loving him more was a trigger point for the brothers, then Joseph sharing his dreams about his whole family bowing down to him didn't do him any more favors. Verse eight says that they hated him more, even more. Now the scriptures help us to understand that God had given Joseph a wisdom way beyond his years. So here is a boy at 17 years old, it's hard to tell whether Joseph had the dream, understood it, and shared it in a slightly teenagery way, you know, with his brothers not liking him. This is a great way to keep fueling that fire. Or was it simply that he shared what he saw with the innocence of a boy who didn't really fully understand the implications of what he was sharing? I'm not sure we know. What we do know is that these dreams proved to be costly. For those of you who have read the story of Joseph, you will know how this ends. But if you could put on the shoes of this 17-year-old boy who's had a dream, a dream that shows something of a future picture, but not the whole thing, here was a boy who was going to experience the cost of having such a dream. The hearts of his brothers was to dispose of him, to kill him. They hated him. And I think the thought of him ruling over them them bowing down before him was enough for them to consider extreme measures. They didn't kill him, 
thanks to Reuben, one of his brothers. But they did sell him into slavery. They faked his death, so his parents believed him to be dead. The dream was costly. It cost Joseph his family and his freedom. And this was a guy who at this stage knew very little about the full picture, how this dream was going to come to be. What started as, hey guys, let me tell you something about what I saw, was quickly overshadowed by brutal treatment and the foreseeable future as a slave. And yet this was not the only cost to Joseph because of his dreams. The dream was also a journey. From the moment that Joseph had the dream to the moment that the dream came true was a timeline of approximately 20 years. 20 years from dream to actualization. Imagine living with that in the back of your mind. This, for Joseph, was a, was a journey from pit to Potiphar to prison and finally to Pharaoh that somehow through all these extraordinary events and life experiences, this dream was a moment still waiting to happen for Joseph. I want, I would like, I hope that what we are learning through this glimpse into the life of Joseph starts to speak to us individually and corporately together as God's family. Having a dream, understanding the cost, considering the journey, all these we will pick up soon as we consider what God is speaking to us today. The dream was a journey. Probably the most fundamental aspect of the story is what I'm going to share now. The dream that Joseph had was not his own. We can have aspirations, hopes and dreams in this life and all of these things can be good things. But here, God deposits something of his plans and his purposes that he is going to accomplish through the life of Joseph. When God deposits a dream in you, it changes things. It potentially changes the direction you are hoping to head. It did for me. Because my plans for me and God's plans for me were not necessarily the same thing. So when you look at the narrative arc of this story, you'll discover Joseph comes to fully understand and embrace the reason for the dream he had as a boy of 17. As he reflects later in life, he understood the reason behind the cost and the journey. As he says to his brothers 20 years later, after they threw him into the pit, the dream was not his own. He reflects, he looks back, and he understands the reason. He understands the reason as he shares with his brothers, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. The dream was not his own. God sent him to preserve life. The dream became reality as well. So that dream did become a reality for Joseph. You might even say he was living the dream. God took this boy of 17 years old and raised him to be the second most powerful person in the land of Egypt. With the exception of Pharaoh, there was none who had greater authority or responsibility over the people. Joseph was only 30 years old when he was appointed to this role. 
He's, he was clearly a capable young man. But the standout factor for Pharaoh was that God was with him. God had revealed to Joseph a significant time of blessing, followed by a significant time of hardship for the people of Egypt. Seven years where Egypt would reap a bountiful harvest, followed by seven years of severe famine to follow. So Joseph proposed a plan to build a storage of reserves during the blessing so that the people of Egypt would be provided for during the hardship of the famine. And so he administrated this monstrous task and did it so effectively that not only were the people of Egypt provided for, but provision that overflowed. He had provision that overflowed as foreigners came far and wide to Egypt because they had provision to give out. It is here in this moment that Joseph sees his family again. So what does Joseph's story teach us about God? Joseph had a dream. That dream was costly. It was a journey. The dream was not his own and that dream became reality. Now before we look at how I feel God is leading us in terms of applying this stuff to our own lives, what does this story of Joseph, even as we have briefly looked at it, what does it teach us about God? Firstly, it teaches us that God has a plan and a purpose. For me, this is a simple, powerful truth. God has a plan and a purpose, and he gathers Joseph in to faithfully play his part. God has a dream. To have a people to himself. A community, a family that belongs to him. A full expression of that garden of Eden picture where creator and creation walk together in beautiful harmony. God's dream has proven costly. There was a great price to pay to open that door to harmony between God and man. He sent his son to pay the price for you and me at the cross. The dream is a journey. It's been thousands of years, God's time, not our time. He is patient and simultaneously urgent in his mission to see many of his creation, you and I, return to him. The dream is completely his own and stands paramount to any other. His dream is the only one that truly matters. And of course, that dream is both now and becoming a reality. God has a plan and a purpose. Secondly, God has a plan and a purpose for you. God raised Joseph up to be a preserver of life. At the age of 17, God spoke a trajectory into that boy's life, which he only caught a glimpse of. At that point, he had no idea what the reality would look like, just that God had given him something unmistakable. God has a plan and purpose for you. And isn't it incredible? Isn't it incredible that the guy was just 30 years old when he was given such significant responsibility? And this is the truth of the matter. This is less about Joseph's capability and more about Joseph's character. It's his faithfulness. There are elements of this journey over which Joseph has like no control and some of which he does. In his part to play, he is faithful. Faithful to share the dream that God has given him, even if it leads him to a pit and into slavery. Faithful in the house of Potiphar, 
He is faithful to run from Potiphar's wife who attempts to seduce him. He is faithful in the Egyptian prison even though he is wrongfully convicted and continues to share and interpret dreams. He is faithful and his faithfulness sees God's favour being with him and going before him. The success story that leads Joseph to living the dream is found in a small portion of his capability and a large portion of his faithfulness. God has a plan and a purpose for Joseph, as he does for you. He already knows your capability. What he's looking for is your faithfulness. Okay, so here's the question. What dream has God deposited in you? If only we had an education system today that was primarily concerned with this question for our young people. What dream has God deposited in you? Now, just to get the ball rolling, the standout areas for me in this story is the heart and willingness for Joseph to be faithful to God. That, for me, is the immediate reminder that I personally need so that I, I lean less on my capability and more on my aspiration to be simply faithful to God in whatever situation or responsibility I have. And just to say, I don't think that is a kind of low bar, entry level, minimum effort required kind of deal. Faithfulness to God is a high bar, but one that we should all aspire to. We want generations of people who are concerned with being faithful. I very much see that faithfulness is connected to God's favour. Chapter 39, verses 4 to 5. Joseph found favour in his sight, that's Potiphar, and, and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake because Joseph was faithful and God's favour was with him. Chapter 39, verses 21 to 22. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Because Joseph was faithful and God's favour was with him. Chapter 41, 38 to 40. Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? That's what Pharaoh said to Joseph, to his people. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. And all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph was faithful and God's favour was with him. God's favour is connected to the faithfulness of his people. We want to be a faithful people, amen? Yes. So I do think there is a strong argument for whatever God places in front of you, be faithful with that. Whether that's in your home environment, your work environment, your relationship with your family, be faithful with what is in front of you. And if that is lining up with God's plans and purposes, I do believe God's favour will be with you. So whilst there is a significant calling for a faithful people, the story of Joseph and a good few others in the scriptures help us to understand that God does deposit a dream in you. You might not see the whole picture at the time, 
but I do believe there are people whom God has given a dream to accomplish his purposes, for his glory, for your good, and for the good of those around you. I believe God may even deposit dreams in you today. And so here are some application points, lessons from Joseph that I hope will prepare you from that moment of deposit to the moment you are living the dream. And here is true teacher style. Lesson number one, share your dream. Share your dream. I do think it's very important that you share the deposit, the dream that God has given you, because I think that is the, you know, the first step of faithfulness. And here are my two pointers with that one. Share that dream with people who will truly help you to understand and work this thing through. I'm not sure how much Joseph knew of the implications of his dream, but we do know that the brothers and parents really in that moment fell a bit short of the type of maturity required to handle what God was saying. So I guess sharing with mature Christians who love and trust is a great place to start. Secondly, with all that in mind, even if you do that, it might still be uncomfortable for people to hear. I'm not sure what to say about that other than deliver the dream with care, with love and grace, and be prepared that sometimes stepping out in faith can be met with a bit of hostility. Lesson number two, your dream could be costly. Working toward that dream was a costly exercise for Joseph. I mean, the, the, the story is there for us to learn from. I'm not sure what his aspirations were in life, but I don't think he imagined for one moment the career path that God took him on. You may have to lay down other ambitions and plans. I think that is the, one of the greatest challenges in our culture today for a Christian to say, not my will, but your will be done. Let my story be found in your story, my path in your path, my way in your ways, my dreams be your dreams. Even when walking that path of faithfulness, you will experience, as Psalm 23 says, you know, green pastures, still waters, and valleys of the shadow of death. Blessings and challenges. And I guess that's one lesson we can learn from the great administrator administrator we find in Joseph when the times of blessing are there store it up fill up your barns because when the times of hardship and challenge come those blessings stored will see you through and maybe pour out as a blessing to others I actually have a, a personal testimony of that we have a, a, a beautiful um, lady in Wimborne in our family in Wimborne well, Jackie, she's married to a guy called Ian. And when we met them for the first time, Ian had been diagnosed and been working with a lifetime of, you know, not a lifetime, but a long time of cancer. And the, the cancer had come back and, um, and it was now, you know, in, the, in, in his final stages of life, really. And so uh, we had the privilege of being with this family through that time and during that with that family during that time. It, um, it blew me away. These guys who are faithful couple to God stood firm in their faith. They had their highs and lows, sure, but they guys anchored in faith. And when we came around in Ian's 
final days to pray with him alongside with some other friends and family, what blew me away was that they would be praying for us. Ian and Jackie would be praying for us and praying for God's favour and blessing over us. I think, you know, that is a sign of that Joseph where they've stored up those blessings, stored up those blessings. And in the times of challenge, they've let those blessings overflow and it went out, it poured out. It poured out to the people around them. We were the recipients of blessings when I, I thought there's no way we should be receiving this type of blessing. But that was, I guess, you know, the sign of a mature, faithful couple in God. They were sure and steadfast and knew the hope they have in Christ. And so they were less, <laughs> crazily less concerned with themselves and more concerned about the people around them. Lesson number three, the dream is a journey. Remember, Joseph was living the dream 20 years after God had given it. Are we a patient people? <laughs> we can be a little impatient, yeah? It's true. Probably not helped by a cultural context that wants to give you instant access at the touch of a button. Of course, it might not be a 20-year wait, but this is about God's timing and your good. Your story fits into a bigger story and you living the dream may not depend upon whether you're ready or not. It could just be the case of when God feels it's right timing for him. So get excited about the destination, but don't let it distract you from the day. Just be faithful with what's in front of you and be confident of God's care over you and his timing. Lesson number four, the dream is not your own. We are wonderful dreamers. We fashion, we create, we design, and these things, we just carry this wonderful trait of our creator God. And when we set the vision for this church family, this dream that we've brought together as an eldership team, really, this is a, a local outworking of God's great vision and dream to have a people to himself when God deposits a dream in you it's important to remember that it becomes something that you steward something you have been given care over something that you are to ponder and to shape yourself around depending on what the dream is do you know what it can be just hugely directional in your life choices and I think that what I want to say is when God gives it it carries a different weight There's always the guy in the room. The guy in the room. You know, you, when you walk into a room and when that guy speaks, whether he or she speaks, the room falls silent. They, they listen. Because that, that man or woman carries a different type of weight. It always used to annoy me when we used to take the youth, uh, took the youth to New Day. Speakers would deliver these profound truths to the young people who would then come back to Joe and I and share their deep conviction or commitment to prayer as if it's like the new revelation they've received and never heard about before. We want to pray. Why aren't we praying more? They would say. And I was like, hang on a minute. We just spent a whole year with you guys devoting ourselves to getting you to pray. How is it that preacher Dave gets up for five minutes and is broken through in a way that we haven't? Uh, uh, by the way, you can 
if you're a parent as well, that's a very similar feel. You know, when you've been instructing your way with a child for a long, long time, et cetera, et cetera, and then they go away and, and uh, I, I, I don't want I don't want to sound too cheesy, but super mum, you know, speaks something into life, comes back and says, do you know what? I, I never knew this before, but I'm just going to help you out around the house a little bit. You can't be upset with it. Try, try not to be upset with it. You just need lots of grace, eh? The dream is not your own. When God gives it, it carries a different weight. And so there's a different type of stewardship responsibility that you have for it. <clears throat> number five, lesson number five, living the dream. Living the dream. Our current Western culture can give the impression that when you are you know, living the dream, everything is sunshine and roses. The reality for many people who have actually had great successes in their life is that the toughness of life does not change or disappear, just the context does. Our dreams can be pinned upon the hope of, if only I can just get there, if I can just make it, everything will be okay. Really, the grave reality for people who, might, who we might assume to have it all, really are experiencing a life that feels very empty. When living the dream, Joseph was probably working harder than he had done in his previous life experience. Despite, it's not a foot-up holiday experience, despite his circumstances, he oversaw Potiphar's house. As a prisoner, he was given the task of overseeing the prisoners. No doubt Joseph was given much in terms of luxury and living when you're second in command to Pharaoh. But he was overseeing a nation, and that was no small task. Living the dream doesn't mean that you've made it. It probably means that you've just grown to the point that you are able to sufficiently take on the task that God has prepared for you. But surely there is no better aspiration and no better place than to be living the dream that God has deposited in you. Let me invite the worship team. Shall we stand together? How do we respond to such things? We're going to come with, an, with a heart attitude of worship because that's right to do. Because it says, afresh, it says, this is your thing, God. This is what you are depositing in me. Now, for some of you here, I believe God has deposited a dream that has shown you a glimpse of the whole picture. And so now you are wondering how to respond to that. You know, what's the next step? So for some of you, that's a case of just sharing your dream with guys you trust. Take that step of faith. For some of you, 
you might need further or desire further clarity. And in this time of worship, that's you. You want clarity. You, you desire clarity. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if that is your desire, then I think that's a step of faith. Come forward and I'd like to pray with you. Maybe there'll be some other church family you can gather around and pray with you specifically that God will bring something more to light. It's helpful to be able to see the destination. I know for Joseph, you know, it, you know, God reveals how he reveals. It's a portion at a time. But there is going to be a step of faith moment, I think, for a few guys who just need further clarity. God's deposited in you something. It's unmistakable, but you can't see the picture. And so there's a moment for you to come forward. And it'd be a delight to just pray with you through that. Again, some of you might be here further down that road toward a dream that God has given you, but you might be feeling the cost of being faithful to that. I believe God wants to restore hope to you. And I think that is a moment to respond and step forward for prayer as well. You know, you're feeling the cost of being faithful to a dream that God has deposited in you because I believe God wants to restore hope to you to strengthen you that that you may remain faithful during the challenge and know that God restore confidence to you that God will remain faithful to you and to the path he's put you on and his favour will be with you and there might be I want to give room as well as we worship together just for God to speak to us because there might be new dreams to be deposited today and I really feel that not only should you be inquiring of that personally as part of your worship, but also, you know, give room for God to speak. There might be some people who prophetically feel, I, I want to speak. I feel God is speaking a dream into a someone to carry something forward. This is my glimpse. I want to share it that it might be deposited in someone. So God, I, I even now I pray, Father, would you... Uh, stir our hearts and awaken us Lord God we, we, we don't want to force this thing but we see through scripture that you are God who does deposit dreams and we want to understand the full reality and nature of following that, that faithfully to you but also we want to take that first step of faith hear that dream share that dream begin something of a journey And finally, as we respond in worship together, I'm going to pray for us all that we would simply be faithful to the things in front of us. So Heavenly Father, I pray for us now together as your church family, for any visitors who are in this room, for those guys who, what in front of them might be just taking a step of faith to say, I'm going to trust and follow Jesus. But I pray that, Father, for, for us who, are, who know you and love you, help us to be faithful with the things that you put in front of us. Help us to be faithful with the things that you've entrusted to our care. Yes, Lord. Lord God, just, you know, sometimes we don't need to see or, or, or you know, try and think too much on the end destination. We just need to be faithful and faithful and faithful and the destination will come. 
We want to live the dream for you, Lord. And I pray that you help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.